You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 246th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 832nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of March 31st, 2022. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, for this week's banner moment, uh, from the IU men's basketball program perspective, it probably would be the hire of Brian Walsh as the uh, new assistant coach or being the elevation of him into that role. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more on the show. So figured good a time as any to talk about the women's basketball program, which their season unfortunately came to an end over the weekend. And while the season itself did not end in the fashion that they'd hoped as they fell to UConn in Connecticut uh, in the uh, in the in the round of 16, uh, but I think far more was accomplished than uh, anything in that game would tell you. Uh, the way that the the seniors who will be leaving the program elevated IU women's basketball to what it is today, to something that I know many of our fans, uh, from uh, from this perspective, um, you know, really have come to love uh, as much. And I, I think in some cases maybe more than the men's program, just because of uh, of how enjoyable they've been to watch over the last few years. But uh, just a great legacy that that uh, that Ali Patberg and uh, Alexa Goulbay and Nicole Cardano Hillary um, will will leave as they uh, as they move forward, and I think that's something that everybody can be really excited about. And if the IU women's program continues on the trajectory that it is, um, they'll look back to those folks and to Grace Wagner and, and everybody who really paved the way to build the program up under Coach Morin. Uh, and I don't see any reason that based on both some of the people that they have returning and just the culture that they really started to build there, uh, something really to be proud of. And I, and I, I don't see a, uh, I don't see them dropping off, even though uh, they certainly lose a lot of production and we'll uh, have to figure out how, what the rotation looks like and all those kinds of things. But uh, you know, kudos to them hats off on great careers uh, as Hoosiers and for everything they did for the women's program as they move forward. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that as we you know get closer to basketball season again next year, because still lots of things to be excited about with the women's program and uh, congrats to them on another solid NCAA tournament run. All right. And with that, uh, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight to my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind this week? 
Well, the off season's getting started, and and that's an exciting time. I, I think it was a a solid end to the season uh, to get to the Big Ten um, semifinals and and to get to the NCAA tournament, and and then obviously the changes in the coaching staff and and the transfer portal that all takes uh, front stage now. And I'm trying to be a little patient uh, in and waiting to see how this uh, plays out. It is a new time in college basketball. Uh, because of the transfer portal uh, and trying not to get uh, too wrapped up in, in, in who's leaving and who potentially uh, can, can come in trust that to the, to the staff. Uh, so patience is the word of the day for me in, in trying to understand. I, I tried to take a look at the players in the transfer portal when it was 768 players and it took me forever to go through and try to figure out who would be a good fit and who, and now it's over a thousand. So that's, uh, I'm not going to be worried uh, a whole lot about that. I'm going to trust uh, a coach Woods. And I think what he has done well is, is get players to stay when he wanted to last year on the recruiting trail, he's done a nice job. And so that's where I think his strength is, is building those positive relationships. I think the hire of Brian Walsh, we'll talk about that more, was fantastic. I think it's someone who has a relationship with the players in the program, has recruited well. And even though he might not have been an official assistant coach, he's been around basketball for a long time. And that's how people uh, break into the game is when is, is they get an opportunity. But I think he fits uh, what Coach, Fy- uh, Coach Wooden wants. Uh, and maybe that's what Coach Five didn't fit in, and, and I think that then should make us all uh, okay with, with with that direction uh, of the hire. So that's the that's been the big thing that's happened here in the last week, and then a lot of players hitting the transfer portal. We're going to talk about some of them, but uh, I'm going to try to be patient. Uh, it's a long time until uh, November of of 2022, and a lot of things are going to happen. Yeah, we really toyed with the idea, Coach, of just me randomly picking players from the transfer report, a lot of the thousand and you having to give an on the spot scouting report, but yeah. it doesn't sound like you made it all the way through. So maybe, maybe a future no. week we can, uh, we can sprinkle that in. Uh, all right. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the, well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, uh, any any rants for the week heading into the big uh, Coach K final weekend here for us? How is it possible that Duke and North Carolina have never played in the NCAA tournament? How is that possible? Just with how good they always are. I mean, I know they separate conferences and they try and keep them apart and everything, but like, how have they never played in the Final Four in their history? That's just insane to me. So uh, go, go Tar Heels. Go Tar Heels. Um, no, I think if you're talking about Indiana, obviously, this week, I think that the big news is that the Brian Walsh hire, we'll get into that. But I think even the bigger news is retaining Kenya Hunter and Yasir Roseman. Um, I think that one thing lost in the Walsh hire, and some people are kind of like, well, he doesn't have assistant coaching uh, background. I just I just dropped this in the chat. You know, bringing on a new assistant coach who knows the prime, it's, it's, it's not get it twisted. Walsh has a lot of experience behind the scenes and he's been there for a while. And he was there at Dayton as well with Archie and, and with Archie Miller. And he's done the assistant coaching thing 
not on the assist or sorry, not on the assistant coaching level, but in the support staff role for a long time. So he knows college basketball. He knows players. He knows recruiting because a lot of those support staff guys work heavily in recruiting. Um, but also because he's a first time head coach, if you've got a budget for what you can pay your assistants, you don't have to pay him as much. And that allows you to pay more to keep guys like Kenya Hunter and, and Yasir Roseman who are, you know, let's be real. They're not only just attractive to Indiana, they're attractive to other programs as well. And so I think it was a shrewd move to do that. Uh, there were whispers that Randy Whitman was going to get one of the spots. I thought that would have been a terrible idea. I don't know that they actually entertained that. There was just people speculating because Randy Whitman worked heavily at the end of the season um, with, you know, designing some offensive sets and things like that. It's, it's you know, it, what we hear is true. Um, so there was, but some thoughts on if some, some whispers on that came out, I, I think that would have been the wrong move. And I, I think that everybody in the program understands that and, and made the right decision. So, um, you can keep Whitman in his behind the scenes role. And now you've got an active guy who can go out and recruit and, uh, Walsh did a great job landing Gabe cups, who has, you know, just gotten better and better and just won Mr. Basketball in Ohio as a junior. Um, so I think that it, it's, it's an interesting hire and it also allows you to do some things with your staff and I think that is the important key to this it's not just getting Brian Walsh on staff as an assistant it's being able to bring the other guys along and keep them as well and not have a ton of staff turnover you're not having staff turnover the players returning don't have to meet new people and learn new people and gel with new people they know the guys there and and can continue to to move forward all right. Well, here's what we have in store this week. Uh, first off, we'll tackle a few Hoosier headlines as we uh, as we typically do here in the first segment. Then we'll get into a little bit more depth talking about the Brian Walsh hire and we'll finish it up by answering a bunch of your questions, both from our private community as well as uh, from the discord. So all of that will be coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. And uh, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, uh, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends over at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And Homefield has something for fans and grads of other schools as well, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last you many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. And what could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, that's promo code HOME for 15% off. Load up on St. Peter's gear, any other NCAA tournament darlings that you may have. Try to get some Carolina gear quickly uh, if you want to be able to root against Duke. Who knows? All of that, you can get it at Homefield. Use promo code HOME for 15% off your first order. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, guys. Uh, who's your headlines this week? So, transfer portal news. Um, you know, Rob Finnessy, I I kind of forget what all has happened since, uh, <laughs> since the show last week versus this week. So, um, IU has four guys in the portal at this point. Uh, Rob Finnessy, Michael Durr. Parker Stewart and Christian Lander. I think Lander may have been the only one that was there at this point. Um, you know, Finnessy, they, they tweeted out uh, today that he's hearing from uh, a handful of Big Ten schools, including Iowa, Ohio State, and Purdue. Uh, another interesting name uh, in the portal is Nigel Pack, who is from Indianapolis and has been at Kansas State, I believe, for the last two years. Um, an intriguing option there. Um, he'll obviously... Uh, at least I would anticipate get some interest uh, from everybody 
in the in the all the Indiana schools for sure as he looks to figure out what he's going to do next. Um, you know, Ryan, I'll kind of throw it to you first. Uh, I guess first let's talk about the IU guys that are in there. I don't know that when you look at that, there's a ton of true surprises in that regard. I think the the path to seeing really any of those guys leave for whatever the re- you know for different reasons, whether that's playing time, um, you know, whatever else. I don't think any of those are particularly shocking. Um, but I guess did any stand out to you? And and if not, you know, as you look at some of these teams that have been enlisted for Rob, I think Cincinnati, Bradley. I want to say Cal was also included in that um, in that tweet as well. Um, I mean, what what are the odds he would land somewhere else in the Big Ten, or does that make a lot of sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I think if he leave, if he goes to another Big Ten school, he's going to be coming off the bench uh, as a defensive specialist. I think he needs to go somewhere where he's going to develop. Uh, do what you know Al Durham did. Go somewhere completely different. And maybe you land with a coach that can help develop you and, and put the ball in your hands and, and figure something else out. Um, I, I like Rob. I wish him well. He'll always be a Hoosier. He'll always have that moment against Purdue. Um, honestly, the two best moments of his uh, of his career came with game winning shots against in state you know rivals. And and I'll always remember that for him and, and wish him well and and always think what could have been if not for injuries and some other things. Um, but you were talking about the guys in the portal and there's not a single surprise and there's a reason for that. And it's all of the guys are replaceable by people who are going to be on the roster. Um, their, their minutes can be filled. You know, Parker Stewart did not live up to the billing as a shooter. I seems like a good kid did not live up to the billing, did not hit enough shots to be irreplaceable on that roster. Um, you know, now that Miller cop is coming back, you figure, okay, well now there's just one of them, uh, of the guys who would be a, a shooter, veteran, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, Rob Finnessy and Christian Lander, guess what? Jalen Huchifino is coming in. He's going to take your spot. And they might go get another guard in the transfer portal. You never know. Um, but Tamar Bates and Jalen Huchifino, if Xavier Johnson comes back as some are expecting, uh, those are your guards. Those are the guys who are going to be handling the ball most of the time. Um, Michael Durr, I mean, look, if Logan Duncan stays, which hopefully that happens, uh, there's no path for his playing time. You know, there are some whispers that, that Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson are both 50-50 on coming back. Uh, you know, if, if either one of those guys comes back and Logan Duckham stays, where does Michael Durr play? You know, I mean, Christian Lander obviously needed a change of scenery. There's, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. That guy needed a change of scenery. And, and once they, you know, essentially handed the keys of the future to Jalen Huchifino, uh, there was no path for Christian Lander to be the point guard at Indiana. So, all of those guys are the expected guys you thought, okay, he could go. He's probably going to go. Um, I wish all of them well. Um, don't have really anything negative to say about any of them. Uh, and I hope they find success at their next stop. Um, but as for Rob, yeah, I think he needs to get out of the Big Ten. I, I just think that the physicality of the Big Ten really bothered him at times. Uh, and I think that maybe he needs either a lower level or uh, you know, a different conference that plays differently. Yeah, Coach, I, I found the, the tweet. So, offensive uh, receiving interest from Cincinnati, Purdue, UNLV, Ohio State, Iowa, Bradley, and Cal. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with Ryan. I, I feel like I've, I've been there, done that scenario for him in the Big Ten, and and given some of the struggles that he's had while there have been those high moments and some of the struggles that he had, it would seem counterintuitive to me for him to put himself back through the same ringer of that. Even, even – 
I, I would agree with you, Ryan. I don't, I don't know that there's a starting role to be had on any of those teams. I, it just doesn't, I, I struggle to figure out what would be different versus going to like a, a Bradley or a UNLV or, or UC someplace like that slightly lower level in some of those cases. Um, but an opportunity that to maybe play in a different system and a different style and, you know, maybe that unlocks some things more consistently with him. But coach, what are your thoughts on you know some of those schools uh, that were listed with Rob there? A couple things. Wish Rob nothing but the best. I do think uh, a step down probably for him to play a lot of minutes. Uh, if you're going to leave Indiana, you're going to be a backup at Indiana. I don't know that you're going to go to another school where, where you're not going to be promised a, a predominant chance to play. Uh, and, and a Cincinnati, a UNLV is a place to go and reestablish yourself and, and play unless it's just location uh, and wanting to stay uh, close by. And, and I'm really not uh, good. I, I want everyone who wore the Indiana uniform to do well in the pros or do well if they transfer out. But I'm more concerned with the guys coming in and the guys leaving. I, I have no ill will towards the four guys in the portal. But, but I, I like guys who want to wear Indiana on the front of their jersey. And so that's the recruiting class coming in. That's Gabe Cups. Uh, that's uh, potential people in the transfer portal when they get named that coach Woodson brings in, that's, that's where my focus is going to be. And, and so while I wish Rob well and where he lands, I'm going to watch him and, and hope that he's successful. Um, I'd rather talk about, you know, what Indiana is going to do and, and, and those kinds of things. And maybe that's a, a negative aspect of, of me uh, being a coach, like, okay, I gotta get, you know, coach got to get the program back to where it is. Those guys, thanks, but uh, move on. So, um, you know, yeah, I do think Cincinnati, UNLV, that kind of level would be the best um, for Rob from a basketball standpoint. But maybe there's more to it. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your cue and move forward to one of the other topics here. Uh, that being Xavier Booker, uh, he helped Cathedral win the Class Four A state title. I believe, Coach, you were at the games. Yep. Uh, there. So I guess two two things on on that. One, you know, quick thoughts on what you saw from him. Uh, as well, and, and I think you were, uh, you know, texting some of us that uh, a lot of coaches there to see him. Kenya Hunter was the IU representative. Woodson was not there. Um, don't know if he had prior commitments. Not really sure uh, what you read into that. But uh, you know, if, certainly if you have thoughts there, Adam. But but just in general, what did you see from Booker and uh, some things for IU fans to get excited Man, about? Booker with him as a potential is, recruit. Booker is nice. I'm telling you what. I mean, he just. He has a flow to him. He runs the floor well. Uh, he gets down in, in a stance and tries to guard well. There's always an adjustment going from high school to college, the physicality. He's got to put on some weight uh, because he's just a string bean. But watching him in warm-up shooting the three ball, um, he should be very comfortable in, in if a pick and pop. He hit a three. Uh, by that time, they were up 30. I had left uh, to, to go grab a drink. But um, he hit a three on a pick and pop. Uh, he's he's a pretty relentless rebounder. Uh, they, they do a lot of things. When you got a 6'11 kid in, in high school, that's Division One. you always set him away from the ball and drive the other side. When the help comes, you, uh, you know, you alley-oop it up and, and dunk. But he was very – I watched him off the ball. Very, very impressed with his ability, and he didn't force things. You, you think sometimes those really talented players want the ball all the time, and, and Cathedral is talented. They got three or four Division One players. It was like watching a small college team uh, play in the state championship. Uh, but, yeah, I was really impressed. That's the first time I'd really seen him live. 
and he, he's smooth and he moves well and, and he's quick off the floor. And uh, I think it'd be an absolute great get for Indiana, but I'm also worried that this is a guy that's bigger uh, than, than a lot of people might think. And he's going to get a lot of uh, looks from around the country. He's basically going to have his pick of where, where he wants to go. So I think Indiana might have their work cut out um, for him, but man, I came away impressed. Yeah. As far as the coaching thing, you never know what, what was going on there, but there were coaches like Izzo made sure he was seen. Uh, he was standing up talking to the officials. Painter Anytime was Booker right was there. out there, he was being seen. Matt Painter had a seat up in the 100 level made it. I saw him on his phone. Next thing you know, he had a pass down on the floor. He's standing out talking to people. I don't think uh, Mike Lewis is going to have a ch- chance at Booker, but Mike Lewis was down there. Uh, on the front row. And I did see Kenya. Kenya had the best seat because he sat right behind the uh, cathedral bench. I don't know how he worked that out. Um, um, but he was sitting right behind the, the cathedral bench. So every time Booker came off the floor, which wasn't a whole lot, uh, but he saw IU uh, right there. So yeah, it was a, it was a show uh, at the 4A championship, but Booker is one that we really want to root for uh, coming to, to IU. He, I think he's going to be special. Yeah. The knock on Booker has always been his effort. And and yeah. consistent consistent effort level, um, but when you're a 16 year old, you know it can be hard to drag your body up and down a court for a long time, and you're still trying to figure that out and figure out what effort actually means. And plenty of guys enter college thinking they give 100 percent effort all the time, and then they hit college and they're like, oh, there's like four other gears I'm not getting to. You can um, drop 20 without playing hard. Exactly. It's, and it's the same thing you see with guards and defense. You know, they think they're playing defense at the high school level. No, you're just more athletic and quicker than everybody. You're not actually playing defense. Um, here's what I'll say about Booker. He is currently on the 24-7 sports composite, ranked the 84th player in the country. Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana, and some other schools are coming at him incredibly hard. He is better than the 84th ranked player in the country. Uh, and certainly schools are realizing that. I expect when those numbers, you know, get revised over the summer after some AAU stuff or whatever, he's going to bump up significantly. Um, I look at him, given Indiana's roster limitations moving forward, you hate to throw around the term must get, but he's on that edge. He's an in-state guy from Indianapolis who fits exactly what Mike Woodson wants to do offensively at that position by being a pick and pop guy, by being able to run the floor, by being able to move, by being able to step out of the post and open driving lanes. That's a guy you got to throw everything at and go get. And so when people made comments that, Hey, all these other big time coaches are here, but Mike Woodson isn't again, we don't know what was going on. We don't know if that was communicated ahead of time. Hey, I can't be there because of X, but I'm going to be watching. We're sending our top assistant, you know, whatever. Um, but it was kind of like from the outside looking in, like these other guys are making the effort known. It's also the state championship in the state of Indiana. Indiana's head coach, unless there's an emergency, should probably be there um, moving forward. So uh, that aside, Indiana has to do whatever it can to get Xavier Booker. He is a huge get for that class, I think. they In the sequence, if you're looking at you know who they're going to have on the roster and everything, they need a big man. And he's the big man that fits perfectly for them. All right. The other couple quick headlines we had uh, from a recognition standpoint, CJ Gunn was a finalist for Indiana Mr. Basketball. Gabe Cups won the Ohio Mr. Basketball as a junior. I got to see a little bit of him um, 
here in Cincinnati a few weeks ago in, in one of their games, although they were just absolutely blowing the doors off of uh, Lakota East. So we only stayed for the first half after uh, after the school that my, my daughter goes to played, but uh, was was impressed with him. They had a really good team, although they lost uh, in the finals, uh, lost for the first time in a couple years, I feel like. Um, so, But they've got a couple other uh, D1 kids on his team, but I was I was overall uh, pretty impressed with him uh, in the in the limited action that I saw him. Uh, he said uh, Michael Lewis hired as the head coach at Ball State. Um, any uh, any any quick thoughts on uh, on Lewis getting the job there, Coach? Yeah, I, I think it's a great move for Ball State. I think it's a great uh, move for 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 Mike Lewis. You know, and and again, I uh, I enjoyed watching all the coaches interact uh, in between games while they were getting ready for the four A championship, and Izzo was giving him a, a bunch of grief and and painter and boy everyone wanted to talk to to lewis the radio station uh that were on court side were talking to him very happy for an iu guy to get an opportunity like that ball state has had some tradition uh it's a lot you know several decades ago made, made some nice runs and you would like to see an in-state school have that success and who knows and, and maybe i shouldn't throw this out there but if he has a good five six year run and, and Woodson gets this thing, um, you know, to the point where he's satisfied with what he's done and, and he's ready uh, to retire, then you have someone with college coaching experience in the state of Indiana that, that could be where you don't have a coach in waiting on the staff, but you have a kind of one of your own that's getting some experience in state. I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Mike Lewis uh, as a coach, so – uh, I wish him nothing but the best and be rooting for, for Ball State to have some success in the MAC. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break here. And coming up on Assembly Call Radio, when we return, uh, we're going to talk about the biggest story of the week for uh, IU basketball, which was uh, the promotion of Brian Walsh, the position, position of assistant coach, and replacing Dane Fife. So we'll discuss our impressions next. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, welcome everybody to... uh, Thanks for joining us on... Thursday night here. Sounds like uh, Xavier might have hit a late shot to win the NIT. Jack Nunji, from what I could tell from the chat. So he really had a, a really strong year with uh, Xavier. That was a transfer that really worked out uh, worked out well for sure with him. Yeah, he uh, wasn't much at Iowa. Um, yeah, he didn't. I mean, he was hurt a decent amount. I think his, his father passed really away. Um and then yeah, just to never really play uh, a ton. 
Any other good uh, state championship uh, observations, Coach, from from being there? The three A dude, six uh, six kid. I don't think I don't know where he's going. He's probably a, a smaller Division One kid, but. Beach Grove wins the, the state championship, and, and he had at least at one point late in the game 17 points and 20 rebounds. It was one of the best rebounding efforts I've seen in a, in a state championship. I wish I knew the, the young man's name. Um, don't have the program down here uh, with me, but he was personally responsible. I mean, the team played well, but if he doesn't get all those rebounds, he just – effort you know you really appreciate kids that just lay it on the line and, and you normally see that in, in state championships but it was extra effort i mean he was just a pogo stick getting up uh and and getting those rebounds it's an interesting story too because uh matt english was the head coach at beach grove um, was an acquaintance of mine in the coaching profession uh, i had known him when he was an assistant i was an assistant we both became head coaches um, and Matt English, uh, lost a battle with cancer four years ago and they renamed the court at beach Grove and the assistant that worked under him took over what he was building. And four years later, they win a state championship. So there, there's a great side story there, uh, about what uh, team chemistry and team culture and, and, and a community there that supported Matt English and, and his family. And so it was one, I was rooting really hard, uh, for them to win and they were able, able to pull it out, uh, but that um, that that rebounding effort was was <laughs> was outstanding, and you know, if you have the Jimmys and the Joes, you're a good coach. Uh, you know, coach at Cathedral, I uh, Jason Delaney, I, I've talked with him and met him, and 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 we we've cha- exchanged some tweets. But man, when you have a small college team at a 4A level, I mean, you got three or four Division One guys. It was the team they beat was undefeated, and they won by 30. 29 Who did they Chester. Play? Chesterton was from the north, from the Doolin Conference. They were 29 and 0, but they played a little smaller, um, slower pace. And Cathedral's just alley oop, run, dunk. Next thing you know, it's like 13 to 2, and it was over in the first four minutes. Thanks. But um, yeah, pretty good, pretty good set of uh, basketball games um, last Saturday. Cool. All right, None Ryan. better than the Peacocks, though. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, all right, Ryan. So you want to give some quick, uh, some quick five thoughts here in the break since you weren't on last week uh, before yeah. we get into the the Walsh stuff. So, um, so those of you who were paying attention this year know that I occasionally drop some hints that things with Dane Fife were not going well. Um, I I mentioned some stuff. I dropped some stuff in the chat. Maybe a little. I let go with maybe a little more than I should have. I will say that I talked about it in our community. Um, Dane Fife was never a fit with Mike Woodson and the rest of the staff. Um, I, I don't want to give away too much, you know, too many details, just because there are some things I was told in confidence. Uh, there are some things I was told anonymously uh, that I can talk about. Uh, one thing I will say is that while one of my sources wouldn't say that Scott Dolson made the Fife hire without consulting Mike Woodson, uh, he did say it was an arranged marriage, uh, is, was his quote, and it was never, personality-wise, it was never a fit. Um, a lot of people have defended Dane Fife over the past couple weeks, and said, or the past week or so, and said, like, oh, he's, you know, he's a Hoosier and all this stuff. I will say this, from what I was told from before the season started until the end consistently, Dane Fife made his own bet on this one. Uh, Mike Woodson would have kept him 
because he realizes how bad it looks to fire an alum, especially one that came from, you know, working with Tom Izzo and all that stuff. And the guy was a beloved player. He knows how bad it looks. He's not an idiot. Um, there was no way Dane Fife could continue as a coach at Indiana after his first year here. Um, he let it be known that he essentially was coming for Woodson's job um, and that he wanted Woodson's job. And, you know, that's something you can say if you are brought in as a coach in waiting officially and it is talked about publicly. He was never promised that. And as soon as he was hired, he was essentially saying, I want Woodson's job. People saw that as him undermining Woodson, a guy who had been a career-long NBA coach who was trying to establish himself as a college coach, and now you're already talking about how you're going to replace him. And that left a bad taste in not just Woodson's mouth, but in a lot of people around the program's mouth because they were buying into, okay, Woody's the guy who's going to do it, Woody's going to do it, Woody's going to be the guy, and Fife is like, nope, it's mine. It's going to be mine. Um, there were also clashes with assistants. He really struggled on the recruiting trail. First of all, uh, there were times he would not return phone calls from coaches, uh, of important recruits. Uh, they all disagreed. The, the rest of the staff was on one page about who to go after and who to recruit. Fife was on another and promised he could deliver guys. The staff did not think that they could get. And the staff turned out to be right. Um, and then there were some things that, you know, uh, you get into just attitude and personality things. There were constant clashes where he was at. He was told, you know, hey, you can't do that around players. You can't do this around players. You can't do this around other stuff. Leave that out of the work, you know, uh, of the work environment. And he refused. And uh, some of it were uh, political views and things like that, talking politics at work when he was asked, hey, we don't do that here. You know, you can talk politics to anybody you want away from work but not to players. And, you know, that we're not, we're not going to do that. And when players can believe whatever they want, they're here to play basketball and be students. They're not here to uh, have a political discussion with you. And he repeatedly refused to do that. And basically his attitude was, I'll say whatever I want. And I think that after a while, there is nobody within the program that I talk to. And I talk to a lot of people who work at Indiana. There is nobody I talk to in the athletic department or in the program who thought he should be retained. They said, it just, it's not a fit. It doesn't work. If he wants to do that, he's got to go somewhere else. That's not what this, this program is about peace and harmony, not confrontation. And we're trying to, you know, build something positive, not go the other direction. Um, so that's what happened essentially. I mean, those aren't the de those aren't all the details, but essentially personality wise, he was not a fit with the other assistants or the support staff or the vibe of the athletic department. He just wasn't a fit. And nobody hates Dane. Nobody wants to see Dane fail. It just, they couldn't do it for another year. That's what happened. That's what it was. And I was told this stuff. I was told some bad stuff in like September, but from November on, I was told things that were very, that did not look good. And the other thing, the thing that sold it for me and made me realize it wasn't somebody with an agenda feeding me stuff because it was multiple people was when some high school coaches that I used to cover when I covered high school games in Indiana were reaching out to me saying, what the hell is going on behind the scenes there? Like what, what's going on with Dane? Like we're hearing about it. And when the people you are using to recruit top talent 
are hearing there are problems, that's when recruiting pipelines shut off because they're not going to send a kid they care about into a dysfunctional situation. And I think that was the last straw was all these people around the state behind the scenes were talking about it. And that is when it, it, the same thing happened to Tom Crean's staff. When there were concerns about dysfunction, the in-state coaches shut off the pipelines. And everybody was worried about that happening, happening again because Indiana needs those in-state pipelines. There's too much talent in this state to not be able to get those guys. So that was the last straw. And if you look at Woodson's statement, it was definitely phrased in a way to basically say, we want everybody to be able to work together and be on the same page. The implication is this guy who you were hearing bad things about was not on the same page with the rest of us. We are now all together on the same page. That's what the statement was about. I realize it's harsh to fire somebody, but they could not wait any longer. They needed to make a move. And that's what happened. Let, let, let me jump in real quick. And then we get to segment two. Um, it doesn't mean that you hire yes men. You, you can have staff camaraderie um, if you have loyal people and you have your disagreements about this recruit or this zone offense or, or whatever behind the scenes. And then at some point it has to be all on the same front. What this means to me is what exactly what Ryan said is that it, it wasn't ever solved. It wasn't, you know, if there's any disagreement about anything going on inside the coaching staff, it stayed a disagreement and it was, and some of that was leaked out to other people and sources um, and that you can't, have that and ultimately it's coach woodson's staff and and he has the right to to put the people in place that that he wants to and if he oh believes someone's not a good fit then he has every right uh, uh to do that so his program um, it, it's his program and, and i think that it, that's actually a gutsy move um it, it's just i said it last week it's kind of like the suspensions i'm going to do it my way i'm going to build a culture i'm going to do it the way i want to uh, and I'm here to bring Indiana back. And to me, that is a plus for, for Coach Woodson. And I, I've been slow to jump on the Coach Woodson bandwagon, especially offensively and some other things. But his off-the-court stuff, I think, has been really solid. And, and I'm leaning towards if it was a problem, and he thinks it was a problem, then it was a problem. And then Nobody knows more than Mike, Mike Woodson. Yeah. What's and the problem? Is. And, and Dane one more can thing go I find say. a spot where he would be a better fit and, and continue to coach basketball. And I think that's – that's what's happened. Look, and he'll go be an assistant somewhere and be fine. He'll be fine. Uh, but it just isn't a fit here. And, and one more thing I will say is um, Dane Fife was not shy about his thoughts that NIL, name, image, likeness, and players getting paid was basically the devil to college basketball. He thought it or college athletics. He thought it was horrible. And he was very public in his tweets and if you think the tweets and the public statements were bad, what he was saying behind the scenes about it to players and to recruits was worse. These recruits coming in want to know about what the name image likeness stance of the program is. Where can they get help? Are they going to get plugged into systems that will help them? These kids can now have a life for themselves in college and make some money. Now, they're not all, like you know, they're not going to be raking in millions and millions of dollars. Most of them are not going to be raking in. But you know what? It makes your college life a little more comfortable to have a little bit, to have a little help. And Indiana, to its credit, for years has seen NIL coming and has prepared for it very well and has been ahead of the curve 
on NIL ahead of a lot of other schools. And when Dane Fife came in and basically said, this is terrible publicly. And at one point got into a heated conversation with a top, I would say confrontation with a top recruit during his visit because the kid asked about NIL and his family were curious about NIL and basically got Indiana eliminated. I don't know if the kid would have gone to Indiana anyway, but he was on campus on an official visit, which means you got a shot. And to get in a heated confrontation with a kid because he asked about the teams and the school's NIL programs is just, you can't do that in modern college basketball. You cannot do that, particularly if you want to be a blue blood program, because guess what? All the other schools in the top level are going to have these NIL programs are going to enthusiastically endorse their players making money off of their image and likeness and name image and likeness. And, you know, this kid came on campus and before he left campus had eliminated Indiana because of that confrontation and it didn't get better. And so Dane Fife, I don't know him personally. I haven't spent time with him. I know I have people who are friends with him who like him a lot. This is not about him personally. This is about the fit at Indiana with his philosophies and the way he feels about things and the way he acted as an assistant coach. And Mike Woodson was not going to deal with it anymore. And that's why he's gone. All right. On to, on to segment two. <laughs> Feels like segment two is going to be a step down now. It's <laughs> might be. Maybe. We'll see. We'll do our best to make it not that way. All right. Here we go. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And tonight's episode is also sponsored by the Superior Insulators, owned by longtime listener and IU season ticket holder Brad Brosmer. We've been telling you about all the great work Brad's company has done installing air barrier systems and spray form foam for the IU Excellence Academy, and how they also worked in the IU Football Locker Room, Marching Hundred Hall, and many other buildings on campus. Well, that work is all the more impressive because they aren't even based in Bloomington. But now, thanks to their recent acquisition of spray foam insulators in Bloomington, they will be able to grow and service the Bloomington market more efficiently through local teams and support. And it comes, uh, it goes right along with their long-term objective of having a physical presence in Bloomington. So if you're anywhere in Southern Indiana and you need residential or commercial insulation, visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-R-O-S.com to learn more. And thank you, Brad, for your continued support of our show. Uh, all right, so Brian Walsh hire. Um, so Ryan talked during the, the break a little bit about some of his thoughts on uh, on Dane Fife firing. I know the guys uh, also discussed that last week. And so now you, you look at, uh, at Brian Walsh being moved from his, uh, his prior position as a director of, of recruiting into a, a formal assistant coaching position. Um, so as we, you know, you look at it here, I think some positives of this would be staff continuity. And I think the part that, you know, really comes to light given some of the things that were said about, uh, about Fife and not really jiving well with the rest of the staff 
I think you kind of already know with Walsh that presumably he does or you wouldn't be putting him in that position. He's been around them, has worked with them on on recruiting in his current role. So I think you you eliminate that part of the equation. You you fix something that did not work in the past. Now, what he doesn't have is some of the same experience and those things that Fife did or potential other candidates. But I think at least from a staff cohesion standpoint, that really, uh, you know, that really stands out. Um, you know, he's a younger guy, uh, being able to be retained seems like some, you know, in reading the, the Tyler Tashman piece, you know, talked about how even when the staff changed over from Archie Miller to Woodson, you know, some people had, you know, kind of put in a good word for Walsh based on what they'd seen. He stuck around. He clearly impressed Woody, uh, during his time there. And I think, uh, you know, builds up some loyalty in that regard. And, and from a recruiting standpoint, you know, he wasn't able to, to do off-campus recruiting in his role, uh, but everybody that talks about, you know, Gabe Cups and him coming to Indiana talks about what a key role that Brian Walsh played in that, which is, uh, other than, you know, his, his history in, in working some in Ohio is, is fairly uh, impressive for me in the sense that you're, you're kind of being able to do that from further away. Um, it definitely comes off as a guy – uh, you know, very humble and, um, you know, I thought represented himself well, both in the media availability and some of the other conversations that um, that you've seen with him there. So I think those are the, uh, you know, those are the pros. Um, so as you guys think about that, Coach, I'll, I'll throw this to you first. You know, do any of those stand out? Are there other things that you look at with the hire and say, hey, I think this part really makes it, uh, makes me feel like it's going to be successful? You know, what are some of the, the positive things that stand out to you? Well, I'm a big believer uh, in in relationships. I thought that's what Woody did really well in building his first roster in, in a short period of time after being hired. That's what you want your assistants. You, you you have Kenya who does that. You have Yah who does that. And then when I heard that the Cups family drove over from Ohio to personally talk to Brian uh, when or Coach Walsh when they decided to commit, that says a ton uh, about the relationships that Coach Walsh built. And, and so you're, you're looking at a guy who has worked very hard to get where he's at. He's going to continue to work hard at what he does. And we all said uh, when Fife was left go, we want a young recruiter in our text messages. We want someone who can get the players in as well. Enthusiastic, as, yeah. The on-the-court stuff will be there. And I'm telling you what – Sometimes your your younger coaches know more about the 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 player development aspect and will go learn more from all of the trainers and all of the workout you know ideas that are out there uh, to develop uh, the the workout stuff the on the court stuff and if you've been a GA if you've been um, uh, behind the scenes you've been cutting tape you've been putting together scouting reports uh, helping the, the paid assistants so it's not that far of a step up one could argue that you generally want to go to a smaller school first before you get hired to a big 10 assistant coach thing but I think staff continuity uh, was mentioned earlier by Ryan I believe uh, Andy you've talked about it a, a little bit too I think that's very important and, and Ryan said and I believe it's true as well that the players coming back the, the Geronimo's the Tamar Bates everyone they're not going to miss a beat. It's been someone who's been in the locker room, been in the program, been in cook hall and move right into a position on the court. There's going to be some level of trust and understanding, not fitting in a new guy. I think it was exactly the kind of hire that coach Woodson that I would have suggested. Not that I know uh, everything about building, you know, basketball staff, 
I just think it's a really, really great hire. Everything I've heard that he said, his interviews, uh, very humble, very, very centered on knowing his role and doing it to the very best of his ability and not, you know, uh, enjoying where his feet are uh, and, and not looking too far ahead and, and not letting uh, who he is get in the way. I just think it, it's it's a really good hire. And you look at the assistants, it's just something that I think if Indiana is going to get back to where they need to be, this this coaching staff and being able to elevate the other two to keep them away from Louisville and to keep them is another great point that, that Ryan made. This hire allows that. So this is good. Uh, this is solid. And, and I think, um, you know, it credit has to be given to, to Woody for, for doing uh, what he feels is right. And I, I think it's, it's a really good, you know, good story. Yeah, Ryan, uh, you know, thoughts on, on Walsh, anything that you've, you know, kind of heard about him behind the scenes, what kind of, what kind of guy he is, uh, as, as we look forward to him uh, taking on a larger role in the staff. Well, first of all, I'm going to make everyone real excited. His junior year, he shot 44.2% from three point range in league play at Akron, uh, and then 43.4% for the season, um, in his college career, 40.9%. Brian. You got your work cut out for you, buddy. Get, get, get to work. <laughs> get that um, gun going. Seriously. Uh, you know, what I'll say is, uh, is I think that what you hear from a lot of people is he's very well liked, not just by players, not just by the other coaches, but by recruits as well. And he basically was what, I mean, we, we talked about it with, with, with cups, but the staff was kind of tepid on cups. And, you know, they liked him, but is he really a Big Ten guard? Is he really going to develop into, you know, something to another level? And Walsh believed in him from day one and convinced Woodson to keep going with him. And now you've seen what Gabe Cups is becoming. He's becoming a really good guard. Now, will he step on campus and be a starter? Or anything? No, who knows? We don't know. We'll see how he grows, see how he fills out. Uh, but Cups has taken a huge leap uh, over the past year. And Walsh was one of the guys who believed in him. And so, uh, you know, he's been a behind-the-scenes guy for Indiana for a long time. Everybody who has worked with him um, raves about him. All the old pl- former players rave about him. Uh, so he is a guy who is well-respected. And, again, there are also the ancillary benefits of you get to keep the other guys, too. And that's a big, big deal when you have two assistants who are excellent recruiters in, in Hunter and Roseman and you get to keep them and bring in another guy who's a pretty darn good recruiter as well. So um, yeah, I'm high on the hire. Um, I think you could have done far worse. Maybe you could have gotten another guy in there, but if you get another guy, maybe somebody else leaves and Woodson's trying to build a program, not trying to shuffle in new pieces every year. Right now he wants to keep the continuity because there was some flow to this team at the end of the season uh, continue to build on that is, is sort of the order of the day. Yes. If you look at, you know, some of the potential, uh, negatives of that, I think we, we touched on some of these, you know, one is just an overall lack of experience, certainly in this role, um, has been around, uh, different staffs in, in, in various capacities, but, you, you know, kind of the additional responsibilities of a, of an assistant coach, doesn't really have a lot of experience there. And, and the, you know, the question that was, was posed in here, I think as Jared put this together was, you know, the recruiting uh, seems like a, an area where he's um, he's adept building relationships as well. Um, 
you know, how does that translate to X's and O's or, or help player development? So, you know, Ryan, I'll kind of throw this one to you first. You know, any other, I guess, first, any other potential negatives that you see? And, and second, do you think IU has the structure in place that might help to, to mitigate some of the potential challenges that he will have moving into this uh, larger role? You're on mute. I know this is what everybody's been wanting for years. I know I Sorry. certainly have, but... <laughs> oh, you were you were a little sad. No, inexperience. I mean, that's just you don't know what he's going to be like as an on-court coach because there's an there's inexperience there. Um, but he's a former player. You know, he's a guy who has certainly worked in basketball for a long time. I'm sure, and, and probably just been waiting for this opportunity for a long time. I'm sure he's got ideas of what he wants to do as an assistant coach. It's not like he's you know been a grad assistant for one year and gets pulled in. I mean, this is a guy who has been around the block and watched a lot of basketball, watched a lot of different assistant coaches and head coaches work. Um, so yeah, inexperience is the only red flag uh, that I see here. Uh, but again, he's surrounded by people with a decent chunk of experience. So I think that will help. Um, so yeah, I, that, that's really all that stands out to me as a worry. Um, other than that, from what I've heard, all the off-court stuff is, is so positive that I think it outweighs any of the negatives. He was probably ready to get another job uh, as well, too. So you keep him in yeah. a place that he really likes and wants to stay. So you get him for a few years. I think uh, Tony said that uh, in the chat that, you know, he might have. And I think I read this somewhere that he, he might have said to Woodson, hey, I'm looking at these jobs. Here are my opportunities. And, and if you got someone you really believe in and like and they're looking to move elsewhere, uh, and you have that opening, you're going to give them a shot. Uh, and I think that might have uh, come in play too. So, yes, the inexperience is a concern, but other other places were willing to uh, roll the dice on his inexperience. And, and the question is inexperience at this level. Um, but, you know, everyone's got to get started somewhere. I, I just think the, the recruiting aspect is huge for the third assistant. The other things uh, are things that he can grow into. Yeah, so now as you, you kind of look at it, presumably there'll be somebody that's brought in to, to backfill what Walsh was doing already. But at least from a coaching staff standpoint, you, you have things in place. You've you've answered all those kinds of questions. Uh, you know, Ryan, how important do you think that is? You know, now next steps for this become figuring out what the roster looks like next year. And, and certainly some of that is dependent upon uh, what, what guys on the roster decide. But also looking in the portal and trying to figure out those things. So, you know, how important is, is that in your view of being able to kind of put this behind IU, move on to the next steps of really hashing out what the roster is going to be for next year? Incredibly important. I mean, to get this done and not spend weeks looking for a new assistant and, and hemming and hawing and having to interview 20 guys. I mean, just get it done and then get to work. This program has a little bit of momentum. You know, I know it didn't end the way we wanted against St. Mary's. Certainly. But they got to get to work convincing the guys who they want back to stay to, to be back and then searching the portal. And then, you know, also they're going to have to go on the road and start recruiting in a few weeks, you know, uh, when they when they air a few, you know, two months or whatever, when the AAU season starts up and they have to figure out right now, they've got to be reviewing tape and figuring who they want to target, who they want to go after all of that, start building those relationships for two years down the line for two, three years down the line for recruits. So there's a lot of work to do. I mean, that's the thing about this job. It's, it never stops. You might get a couple weeks off, but it never truly stops. And so to get this, to have the program not distracted by finding a new assistant and being able to just dive into the next thing, 
um, is is a huge uh, is a huge thing for this program. Just keep the train going because again, there was momentum at the end of the season. We finally started to see a positive turn here. If it had ended in disaster, you know, direct exit from the Big Ten tournament, maybe you want to shake up the staff. Maybe you want to shake up the roster big time. Maybe you want to do those things, but they started to build something at the end. The offense started to look better. Guys started to look more comfortable. Um, and they started winning games. So you want to keep building from that. You don't want to change direction. One of the things that's really important is that, you know, I think Woodson's on record saying that he he wants to transform this team into uh, more of a wing guard oriented team than a low post scoring team. Now he'll take TJD back, but you've got to start building that and you've started, you've got to hit the recruiting portal hard immediately to get those types of players into the program. You're doing that on the recruiting end with guys like Shafino uh, and guys like Caleb Banks and CJ Gunn. They're all going to develop at different times once they hit campus but you need to make sure you're getting the right kind of guys in for Coach Woodson's system. Uh, and what he wants to do is have a heavy point guard, some shooters, some drivers, you know, wings, strong wings. And it's important to get moving in the right direction and get moving fast. Uh, and it'll be interesting. This, this offseason is going to be real interesting to see who stays and how soon Woodson can get to transforming that roster to more of a roster of what uh, of what he wants. The more I think about it, I think he did a, a a a good job managing the roster that probably didn't fit the way he wanted to play, uh, and still got Indiana uh, to the NCAA tournament. So I think again the the whole staff reconfiguration will help in in that area of of rebuilding the roster through the many different ways they can do that. All right. Well, that's probably as good a segue as any into uh, we'll take a quick break here. But a number of our of the questions that we got center around exactly the things that coach was talking about there at the end in terms of figuring out who's going to be around and, uh, and things like that. So we'll hit some of those questions coming up in our third segment, uh, just as we always do. So stick around with us here on the assembly call. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? 
then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. All righty. We'll take another uh, quick break here. Um, I think we answered a few of these good questions. Good Shafino looked good today. I didn't get uh, a chance it, to watch. He, he looked good. You know, he's going to have to develop his outside shot. Yeah, a, he, a his form bit, isn't his bad, isn't that's, not, that's not what anybody wants to hear. No, <laughs> no but boy, his body's ready. I don't care if it's true. You can't say that about IU. You know, guys coming in at this point. Let me, let me backtrack. <laughs> he, he, his body is ready. I mean, it like is. he is physically ready to come in and play. And yeah, boy, he's been uh, for it since his junior year. Since his junior year. Yeah, and then the Renault guy, or is it, how do you pronounce that? Uh, the Ren- six seven. No, I don't know that, if that's how you say Renault. it. Renault. Renault, um, boy, he looked good too. Now he's not a, a leaper. He, he's he's a strong low post, you know, Coach Tonsoni vertical type guy. Um, but I like him, and I know that. They, too. Yeah, that they were mentioning that that he's being heavily recruited by Indiana. Those are the type of guys to fit that you know three and four spot that I think Woodson really wants to to get into the program. Really glad that yeah, high school it, French really it, paid off for me there in that pronunciation. That's really, really. You important. took French in high school. I did. I the only French it, I know I, is French toast. Oh boy, boy, that could have gone a lot of different ways. That was not the way that I was. <laughs> not the way that I thought it was going to go. I'll leave that other one alone. <laughs> I don't. I, this is where yeah, if I, I had the here I come, Mrs. Tonsoni, I would have would have been a great place to play no, it. But French I did toast. Not, uh, that I didn't. French didn't onion have soup. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to hit these questions? I think there's probably a few we can skip because yeah. I think we did hit a bunch of we hit a, a couple of them already. But uh, sure, I'll, I'll kind of skip them on the fly. So, all right, here goes. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And it's now time for our mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at and, and join at assemblycall.com slash community, uh, as well as the uh, associated Discord there. Uh, and as usual, members of our private Discord, whose questions are used in the show, receive our community coin home as a bonus. Um so Greg had asked what we think the of the schools announced who's the best fit for Rob. We touched on that one uh, a bit already. Uh, Kathy had one. What were you most surprised about this season? One positive and one negative. Uh, Coach, I'll let you take that first. One was it surprise one or just one positive, one negative in general? Surprise. Uh, it says a surprise. surprise. What, one positive and one negative surprise. Um. The, the positive surprise is the growth of X. His first half of the season, I really, uh, you know, struggled to see him being as successful 
Uh, and then, you know, the last 10, 12 games, he was just remarkable. Um, and, and then you see what the plan was from the start. Um, that, that was uh, the surprise. The negative surprise was the overall lack of uh, effective offense. Uh, when Woodson was hired, we all talked about the four out one in and, and moving on from Archie's uh, poor offensive record. And, and then to have the 93rd best, uh, you know, sagger in offensive efficiency or whatever, which is one of the worst offenses in the last 23 years of, uh, of stats, uh, not from sagger and from Ken Palm. That's, that was the negative surprise for me. I, I, I thought, uh, Woodson would bring in more creative offense from the start. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess the development of X was the positive surprise. The negative was just the overall poor performance of the offense with the, the roster that I thought should have been better. Ryan, what about you? Uh, positive, I think, was the, the defense. I didn't expect the defense to be as good as it was. I mean, that's essentially it. I think that I expected the defense to maybe get a little bit better or – you know, because the, the Woodson was known for offense, um, you know, running a pro offense and I'm hoping he's going to run a pro defense or something like that. I thought maybe they would get a little bit better, you know, a little better, but but I didn't expect one of the best, the, the best defense in the Big Ten. I really didn't expect that. Uh, the disappointment is the shooting. I thought shooting would get demonstrably better and it did not. The percentage was better, at least the last time I checked. I don't know what it was at the end of the season, um, but they weren't taking as many you know, and they were taking fewer and therefore making fewer. So the higher percentage doesn't really matter if you're not actually taking advantage of that higher percentage. So the shooting was certainly the negative surprise. Um, but I, I will say, yeah, defense, certainly a positive surprise. Yeah. I should have taken this one first. I need to throw it to you guys first on questions. I don't have a, a ready-made answer to. So it's poor, poor hosting on my part. Um, so I, I think the, on the positive side for me, I, I would have said the defense um, right out of the gate. I think, I think in part because it was it was perhaps a little bit less clear what Woodson might do schematically there. But I think in in part also because looking at some of the personnel, um, trying to figure out how that would fit together in a different scheme. I know you know Jared's mentioned that before. You know, given the amount of time that that Cop and Stewart played as guys who I think were better than people give them credit for defensively over the course of the season, but guys who are not necessarily plus defenders to be able to, to rate as well defensively as a team did uh, with some of those guys logging big minutes uh, was there, you know, I think the offense and, and the shooting are, are certainly fair for that. I guess I'll say one potential negative surprise in addition to those, I wouldn't put this ahead of either of those, but it was just kind of the way that the bench was, was used overall. Um, and, and we talked about that a lot, not just from the standpoint of, of playing all the bench guys together, which um, we don't need to rehash thoughts on that. But, but I just think in terms of also the way it was used just to be able to get guys experience and, uh, and minutes to prepare them for later in the season. So I'll say um, I'll, I'll give that as my, my negative. Like I said, I think the overall offense was the thing. If you asked me on the day that Woodson was hired, what you would have, ex what I would have expected or might have been most excited about just from a schematic standpoint, it would have been, you know, an offense that is not centered around throwing the ball into the post. And, and we, we know, <laughs> we know what the offense was. So um, anyway, so that's, that's what we'll say on that one. Um, let's see from robot who gets your game ball for the season. Um, so Ryan, I'll, uh, 
I'll let you take this one first. So we did the game ball after every game. This is not necessarily a composition of who won that the most, uh, which was almost certainly Trace. Um, but uh, who would get your your season game ball? Um, that's it's really tough because if you include the last like five or six games, I would have gone with Ray Thompson. But those last couple games where he did not play well and the team did, um, it left a bad taste. I mean, it's, we've always said it's it's not how you start the, the season. It's not what the middle of the season. It's about how you finish. And so Race, I think, would tell you he didn't finish well. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, certainly the best player on the team with the highest ceiling in him late in the season, carried it. But if I have to go with one guy who this season hinged on and – who deserves credit for it and whose play turned this around and changed it. It's Xavier Johnson. That is who I would give my season game ball to um, because I think he just brought it every game, even the games he wasn't good, his defensive intensity, his offensive intensity, his energy level. Uh, I think the team just, I think it, it mimicked him uh, over time. And, and, and that's when it started to turn sort of late in the season and in, in that big 10 tournament. Coach, what about you? I'm going to second Xavier Johnson. Um, not much more needs to be be said. I think even when he was struggling running the offense and shot selection early, he played his rear end off. There was never a game where I can think, okay, his body language was bad. His overall play was bad. He hung his head because he wasn't scoring on offense. Um, there might have been a few where – he, he questioned some calls and, and the mental side got to him a little bit, but we heard all that coming into the summer and we really didn't see that explode in a negative way um, as much as we maybe thought we did. I just think he was the, the most consistent and the best player overall. And once he and Woodson, whatever they did to get him to not only score, but start getting seven, eight, nine, 12 assists a game, making other players better, you saw then Trace Jackson D Davis's game elevate back again. So uh, I think uh, I will I'm, – I'm totally – you know, the stats bear out Trace Jackson Davis and what he does is phenomenal. And I also agree with Race. Um, if you took the survey uh, at, at some point real close to the end of the year, it, it would probably have been Race because of his many double-doubles and his hustle and floor. But those three would be in consideration for it. But I, I have to agree with Ryan on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think those three are the were kind of the 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 pillars on which this team was built. Um, and I, I, you know, I'll I'll give a little love to Trace, although I I think I generally agree with you guys. I mean, the the we we said it really from the beginning. If they can harness the positive things of Xavier Johnson, he really controlled the ceiling for the team. And when the team played well down the stretch, it was in large part because he was playing incredibly well, which is not to say, you know, at the same time, Trace was playing really well at the end of the season. I, I, you know, so I think Trace is the, you know, the leader I think showed what this team could be when he was at his absolute peak at the end of the season. And I think in some ways that shines a light on maybe what they weren't at other times during the season when he wasn't at that peak. And I think when you look at Xavier Johnson over the course of the season, there weren't many games when, anyone would have come on and really questioned his effort. They might've questioned his decision-making might've questioned his attitude a little bit at times in terms of the way he expressed himself, might've questioned his shot selection, but in terms of just flat out effort for as many minutes as he was on the floor, um, hard, hard not to, uh, hard not to give it to him in some regard. And he was completely irreplaceable on the team. And I, 
maybe we could make the other ar- ar- you know similar argument for Trace, but Race was able to step in at times when Trace got in foul trouble and and do some of those things. There was there was no plan B at point guard that was effective for IU if Xavier Johnson was having an off night, got himself in foul trouble. And I think that's one of the important things about him is over the course of the season he did such a better job of not putting himself in a position to get in foul trouble for the most part um, and found ways to keep himself on the floor, which was absolutely critical to, to IU's overall success. Uh, all right, let's see. Community questions. Um, I'm going to do a couple of these shorter ones just so I can uh, I can read the others and get back to them. Uh, Tom asked one, do you think X and Hutch Fino can play alongside of each other? Uh, Ryan, I'll throw that one to you first. Yeah, I think they probably can. Um, I think that X would be the primary ball handler in that situation. But a lot I think of they probably have, have to to a certain extent, right? I mean, yeah, given the yeah, amount of minutes of you'd want those guys to play, it feels like yeah. they have to. <laughs> and then you could also, you know, rotate them. You know, so when X take, needs a break, JHS runs the offense and then vice versa. Um, but I wouldn't expect – I mean, a lot of people are expecting – you know, I'm hearing from Hoja fans, they expect Hochefino to come in and just dominate and be this – like he's a really good player, but he's going to be a freshman in the Big Ten. Like I don't expect him to play more than twenty to average more than twenty five minutes a game, uh, at a maximum. Uh, I think he'll start because I think to get a kid like that, you got to promise him he's going to start. Let's be real. Um, so I think he'll start. I think he'll play a lot, and I think he'll be ready. Um, but he's not going to come in. You know, if Xavier Johnson had left. He's not going to come in and all of a sudden it's going to be like you don't miss a beat. You know, he's going to need some development time. Um, he's not a first round, you know, a top five future NBA pick, uh, you know, like like a one and done top five pick who's going to come in and just dominate. That's not the kind of player he is. Um, he's going to need some time. He's great. And his potential long term, especially fantastic. And he's a guy that we should be really excited about. But we should also manage expectations. He's not going to come in and dominate the Big Ten as a freshman. Um, few people can do that. And so, yes, I think they can play together. I think that he's going to get a lot of playing time, but I also think that we need to manage expectations for him. And, and, uh, he certainly needs to work on his jumper as, as, as coach talked about his form is mostly fine for me. Uh, but it just, you know, it's a matter of maybe he's not releasing it on time. He's holding on to it a little long or releasing it too quickly or rushing or, you know, leaning side to side, whatever it is, the basic form is pretty good. But he's got it. He's got some things to work on. So, um, yeah, he I think played, they play together. He played today off the ball some too with with Mount Verde. They play so well and have so many talented guys. They they got the junior kid who's gonna who's committed to Purdue that that grew up here in Lafayette area before transferring to to those schools. Um, they had the kid that's going to Duke also brought the ball up. And what was interesting that Mount Verde did today is that he would run up into a wing position and then the other guard would bring it up and they'd send a, a, a down screen to the or a pin screen to the corner, whatever you want to call it. He would come up, get a catch, and then they'd go right into that middle ball screen action that you kind of do with your point guard. So it opens up the creative book um, for what Woodson wants to do. Uh, and I've said all along, you need to have multiple side drivers in the college game. You need multiple shooters. You need guys that X can kick out and bang threes. But when someone closes out hard on you and you're a shooter, do you have the ability to go in and and attack off the dribble? And the best thing about uh, Hood Shafino is his ability to feed others. I mean, watching him today, he he was looking to make other players better 
and waiting for his opportunities. He wasn't forcing everything. And, boy, that's just a really good thing to have for incoming freshmen. Agree with Ryan. There's a learning curve. But I think he's going to be a little bit ahead of the game, a little bit more further developed than Tamar was. Uh, I would be surprised if he took the route that Tamar did in his development. I, I think he's a little further on because of his body, his ability to guard at, at 6'5". And so, yes, I think X and, and Hood Shafina will play a lot together. All right. Next question is, uh, let's talk, I guess we'll, st we'll stay in the backcourt here. Uh, Kevin had one, tr uh, and we, we referenced Nigel Pack earlier. I kind of waited uh, to talk more about that until this question. Um, Coach, I'll go to you first with this. Does IU take a serious look with, uh, assuming Xavier Johnson is back and you've got Jalen Hood Shafino, uh, do you think they really go after Pack? Is that still a landing, a potential landing spot for him with those two guys already in the backcourt again, assuming X comes back? I don't – if X comes back, no. Uh, is he someone that would look good in a Hoosier uniform, shooting 44%, 45%, hitting 90-some threes? Absolutely should go after him. It's hard to not go after him. But you only have so many, you know, basketballs, uh, especially at the point guard. And if you bring in Hood Shafino in, he's going to have to play uh, some minutes. Um, can you fit in? Or would you, are you willing to go to a three-guard lineup um, – you know, if X comes back, if that's the parameter, I just think, one, I don't think a, a young man like Pat, he'll come if he knows that he's got to share that limelight with three. He's going to go where there is, you know, guaranteed starting minutes. So if X were to leave, I think it's a perfect fit. Um, but I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen um, simply because of the, the point guard makeup right now of, of IU. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Your thoughts kind of along the same line where it's not necessarily a matter of IU being interested in him. It's it's almost more of a case of him being interested in the situation that IU would present to him. Yeah, I think that is 100% true. And look, you got to go after him. Everyone's going to go after right. him. He's all Big Ten player who can shoot. He's smaller, um, but he can shoot like crazy. He's like, you know, he's the kind of scorer Indiana needs, uh, you know, perimeter scorer. Um, but I just I think that there are other opportunities that are going to open up for him, and I I don't think you know this is gonna this is gonna be sad for Purdue fans or for Indiana fans, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the day that Jade Nivey says he's going pro, Nigel Pack enters the portal, and hints are coming that he may be headed home. Um, so we'll see. He's going to hear from a lot of people though, so I don't think it's locked in where he's going to go. But I think that there's a path for him to play somewhere that Indiana fans don't want him to play. Coach, you've got boots on the ground there. It's your responsibility to stop that from happening. All right, moving on to the next question. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll get over there <laughs> and, and see what I can do. Perfect. All right, uh, Luke, who do you think will have the biggest season next year of the bench players uh, from this year? Ryan, I'll go to you first on that. I think a couple probably well, float to the top, but. It depends. Or is, is, is Trey Galloway going to learn how to shoot in the offseason? Because that changes my answer completely. No, uh, <laughs> I would say of the bench players, I, I would maybe this is just hoping. Of, uh, uh, I think it's true, but I'm really hoping it's going to be uh, Tamar Bates. Um, I think he needs to be a starter and a scorer for Indiana to be really good next year. Uh, he needs to take that leap um, because that kid can play and he needs to be able to stretch his legs and, and, and play. And I think that not only is that my hope, but it's also I probably think that's true. 
Coach, what about you? I agree. I agree. Um, I'll throw out another name. And, and again, who knows with all the roster construction, you know, you just, you're just waiting for people to stay. But uh, I, I think Geronimo helps uh, Indiana win with his He's athleticism, one, yeah. his ability to shoot the three from the four. You got Caleb Banks who can come in and also play that four. You maybe go get some guys, the, the Renault guy to play the four. Uh, you can't have too many of those wing types uh, of, of players. So, and you never know what Indiana's going to bring in in the portal. But I, I think uh, Bates and Geronimo have that athleticism, that ability to to score from the outside, to put the ball on the ground, to hit a pull-up jumper. Geronimo's a rebounding and effort. Once he solidifies what he's doing defensively, because he gets lost a few times defensively, but he'll be in his third year, and I expect that'll be good. Uh, but Geronimo is just an unbelievable athlete that I think one of the things that this – program needs is just an influx of athletic ability not just guys who can stand and shoot but who can guard who can close who can drive do multiple skills instead of single skilled players a lot of our guys that we like even tjd five foot not as not a you know uh, a shooter so we had a lot of um you know single skilled one-dimensional players we need to get multi-dimensional and i think geronimo and bates do fit that yeah, th- those were the two that that really spring to mind. Um, you know, I talked about Geronimo really being thinking he had a chance to be in the mix for six man of the year in the Big Ten. That proved to be wildly inaccurate. Although there were certainly games when you could see it, but uh, I, I think for him, I think the versatility that he brings because he's big enough and and has shown some ability to guard bigger guys. I think what he unlocks from a potential lineup standpoint of him being able to play the four but still step out and, and space it a little bit uh, is really important. And just a high-energy guy doesn't necessarily need to get the ball a ton um, to, to, to really be involved and make an impact on the game I think becomes really important there. And I think if you look at – we talked about potential you know, three-guard type setup when we, we mentioned Nigel Pack. Uh, again, Bates is a guy who factors into that mix as well. If he really is able to take uh, a leap between that freshman and sophomore year – it maybe gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit of leeway for Huchifino, who's probably going to have you know growing pains like any freshman would as, as you get into that. It gives you a little bit of a uh, a parachute for that at least, where that maybe isn't as big of an issue if Bates can really take a step forward. And we continue to talk about IU needing guys who can create their own shot when things get tight and the game gets late. Um, yeah, I think Bates is a guy who can grow into a, a role like that. You need some bad shot makers. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, oh no, don't take that shot. Yeah, it went in. You know, especially late late shot clock makers too. Yeah, agreed. Uh all right, last question uh from Craig. Uh what role do you see for Logan Duncan and Anthony Leal for next year? Um coach, I'll let you I'll let you take Duncan uh and then Ryan, maybe I'll I'll get your thoughts on Leal. We'll split them up. I've been really excited about Duncan. I have some connections to the Cincinnati area, a lot of motor. He needs to get stronger. Um, I, I think, he, you know, he has some ability to hit 15-footers, maybe even some um, some three-pointers. I think he can play. I don't know that he's got starter minutes yet. Uh, I think that's more his junior and senior year. I'd like for him to stay with the program and, and not, you know, hit the transfer portal. But what I've heard is that he's an offensive rebounding machine. He's got a heart to go after rebounds, and I think you can find a place for that. Uh, but no, there's no doubt that Indiana needs to get 
if if race or trace leave or both of them leave then the portal has to be full of you know some some big post guys uh, to be able to play but i think he fits that Woodson offense where he's big enough to do some things he can guard he can do uh but he can pick and pop and spread the floor and leave the lane and open up driving lanes that's what Woodson wants to do he does fit that if he's willing to stay here and and work his way through a a sophomore year and get to that level but you're going to need some other guys to I don't think he can step in and be a starter if if some of those other guys leave yeah I think his is a role that is varies wildly depending upon uh, decisions that some other guys make. I think if you see, you know, both Trace and Race gone, I don't know that he's ready to step in to take that many minutes. But if you see one of them stay and one of them go, that might be a good situation for him where he incrementally gets more than he, what he saw last year, um, but isn't called upon to do maybe more than he's ready for um, yep. at this point. But there's a, a pretty wide range uh, in that regard. Uh, Ryan, uh, what about Leal? Um, for, for you, what, what are your thoughts on what role might be there for him next year? Again, kind of based on what we, we know of the roster at this point. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is we don't know, uh, so much, but if I had to guess, I would say Anthony's got to be able to knock down open shots when he does get playing time. And if he does that, given his energy, his ability to move the basketball and offense around and his ability to guard, which got so much better this year, he's going to find a role if he can knock down shots. That's the key to his playing time. If he can hit shots at around a high 30, low 40% clip, he has to play. And, and so, and he may, it may be the kind of thing where he surpasses Trey Galloway if Trey Galloway can't shoot because Trey Galloway collapses the defense. You know, it's, it, he doesn't open up the defense and make it easier for anybody else. So, especially in the Big Ten, he did that early in the season against, against bad teams. But against in the Big Ten, he didn't do that. And so whoever can shoot will play. I think that's the future with Mike Woodson. Is guys who can shoot and defend will play. And so Anthony just needs to be able to knock down shots when he gets in there. His shooting form is fine. It's a matter of him calming down and not rushing the shot when he's in there. If he's at Indiana, that's the key to him playing. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. While, you know, his range of, of options is probably a little bit narrower than Duncan's based on who comes back. You know, the, the reality is that in two years, he's a 30.8% three point shooter. And for as much as he's you know working hard on the defensive end, I think showed improvement there. I think his just overall IQ and awareness his passing when he got chances to play, um, you know, particularly even in that Northwestern game got thrust into having to play a ton of minutes. I think there's a lot of positive things he brings to the court. I just – he's got to be able to shoot it. And if he works his way into being able to do that in games, I have no doubt that it's a you know another guy like so many that has been talked about where these guys can just kill it in practice scenarios and do whatever. And then when the game starts, uh, as a team, this is certainly not specific to him, um, they've struggled to make open shots in games. And so if he can do that, uh, again, I think you've shown, I think I, you showed last year that schematically on defense, they're able to, to still be successful, even with guys who are not plus defenders. Um, so for whatever shortcomings he has on that end, I think you can fairly easily make that up if you're able to, to go out and make shots. So that I a hundred percent agree with Ryan is the, uh, key to unlocking whatever his, his role may be next year. So, 
All right. Well, that is going to do it for us tonight on this uh, edition of Assembly Call Radio. If you uh, want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call Radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RigsDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on next Thursday, unless uh, news breaks before that. But until then... Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go losers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that. All right, fellas. Good stuff. Good show. Good show. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good audience participation. We had some good chat going on. I agreed with Ryan way too much is my personal I, I know. I was getting weirded out. Yeah, it's I just really, I got to go back and maybe re-listen to this one. I normally don't re-listen, but I'm, I just I'm getting, can't keep doing that. I'm going to get every version of you saying I agree with Ryan as a ringtone <laughs> and just alternate them during the year. I, I just, I, I can't, what else am I going to say? Ryan takes, takes, takes it all. I got, I got no beef with you tonight. None. Yeah. It's unfortunate. There's always next week though. Always next week. So, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it was one of those where the, the news comes, uh, quickly at some times and a little bit slower at others. So we'll see. Uh, I got a feeling so many guys in the portal, um, just makes you, you wonder when people are going to start to commit. I haven't really looked at a whole lot of the, you know, draft decision deadlines and any of that kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, kind of odd to see. And then Probably don't you have like you... a June first uh, to pull back out too? If yeah, you don't hire I think an agent there's... or something like that. So it's going to be a yeah. while. It, yeah, I feel like it's going to be a slow burn to uh, to get through all that for sure. So, uh, but anyway, we'll. Uh, we'll Who's your we'll keep fan? Who's your fan date. for life? Yeah, don't don't don't. This guy's really gassing Ryan up Ryan up. in here. I mean, no no kidding. Like Ryan's never hosted a show. He can't do a solo show. He would never know how to get us live. Totally, totally true. I, I don't I don't just dis- I mean he did that. have great content tonight. I mean he was on it. I mean can't dispute anything. Hey, it was my first off season show, guys. I had to come out firing. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> be on last week because of a prior engagement. Um, but yeah, I uh, I I, got, I had to I had to I had to let some stuff out tonight because I missed <laughs> last week. So uh, don't get used to it, guys. Some of these off season shows are rough. So just prepare yourselves. Yeah, he'll be going through the motions before we know it. Don't don't expect this to be the you know the, the standard yeah. performance. Jen, you are I so will correct. Be phoning it in. Ryan's burner phone is really who's your fan for life. He is complimenting I wish that himself. Was true. That would that be makes, so funny. That makes would, a lot I, of sense. I, go all Kevin Durant. Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> anyway, all right. Excellent stuff, guys. Uh, guys. Take care. We will uh, talk to everybody at the very least next Thursday, if not before. So thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Later, everybody.